ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hi, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Welcome back. It's another episode of 1% Better. The Colts offseason continues, Zach, uh, even in all this uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, before we get started, uh, you know, we're still in we're still in the middle of, you know, pandemic mania. But um, do you think we're making progress here? I've been have you been following like what's going on? Uh, MLB and, and obviously the NBA have been uh, having more conversations because their their situations are more immediate. But I mean, right. like just. Are we making progress, Steve? What do you think? I don't know. I want to say yes. It sounds like there's talk of an NBA playoffs. They just kind of start the playoffs, which would be awesome, mm-hmm. I think, for if they could do it safely for everybody's appetite for sports. Right. And if baseball is able to come back around July 4th, I think those two leagues, in whatever setting they're in, would give the NFL a really good um, flashpoint example of of – of yep. what works, what doesn't, and then hopefully, 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 football can come back in September. But um, it, it does seem like we're inching towards football and sports coming back. Yeah, so I, I do think the NFL is in an advantageous position as much as they can possibly be, at least, um, in these terrible circumstances because they can observe the NFL and baseball. So we'll see. But anyhow... Uh, as I said, the Colts offseason continues and, you know, we've actually been, been hearing from quite a few players and coaches, uh, over the past couple of weeks since their offseason program, such as it is, has been going. And, and I think this week, obviously the player, uh, the topic du jour is T.Y. Hilton. We heard from T.Y. for the first time yesterday. And I thought this was a very revealing conversation for, from a guy who doesn't ever really give you very much. And, Zach, as, as you know, we were talking about his future. Uh, he is going into a contract year. He's 30 years old. He'll be 31, I think, in November, if I'm not mistaken. So it's an interesting time for him. And so what, what was the update there, just for the listeners? And then we'll play uh, sort of the the clip from T.Y. during our, our video conference with him. Uh, what's the sort of setup here? Yeah, T.Y. was straight up honest. He said, look. I want to be here. I want to sign one more contract with the Colts and then I want to walk away. And I think you and I have talked about this. We've covered this guy almost his entire career. We've never heard him talk about the end, not like this. And he made it very clear to not only the fans, but to Jim Hersey and to Chris Ballard, I want to be here. It takes two sides. And it sounds like there were some negotiations before the pandemic really started and, and sort of changed the NFL offseason. So it's still a possibility this happens before maybe the coming season. But T.Y. Hilton, these are his words verbatim. I want to be a Colt for life. Yeah, let's uh, let's actually play that clip right now. I mean, I'm, I want to be a Colt uh, for life, you know, but it takes two sides. You know, it's up to Mr. Ursay and Chris, you know, to get a job done. So for me, you know, I want to be a Colt. So you heard it from me. All right. So a couple of takeaways here. The Colt for life is pretty much – very clear, right? That speaks for itself. Right. Uh, I think the interesting thing and the thing that a lot of people reacted to was it's up to Mr. Ursay and Chris, meaning Chris Ballard, the GM. And I, I think I'm fine with him saying that. I don't think that that's sort of like a shot across the bow or anything like that. But I don't but think, I do it think it is at all. I don't, I don't yeah, see it yeah. that way at all. Well, that's what I wanted. I wanted your thoughts on that because I think if, if you, if you're like sort of a, 
a, an observer that's removed from the situation. We're not like we know all these parties, right? And and we know right. how they feel about each other. Um, but if you're sort of removed from the situation, you may hear that and think it means something else. I, what was your take on it? So Ty is not calling out Ursay and Ballard. And he's not calling out the Colts. He's not saying that he wants to get a deal done and they don't want to get a deal done. He's not saying that. We know T.Y. He's just saying that he's in. And if they want him, he's here. That's all he's saying. Um, I think he has a great relationship with Chris Ballard. And, and we know that Jim Irsay loves him. Um, look, this is a future Ring of Honor guy. This is a different conversation when it comes to dealing with a contract when he's 30 years old and his future um, and we can get all we can get into the injuries later. And T.Y. talked about that and how motivated he is. But um, he's saying that he's ready. He's ready to, to come to an agreement. But let me get your take on this. And this is what jumped out to me. It's not that he's saying he wants to stay in India. It's he's saying, and these are his words, two, three, four more years. That's it. I walk away. I'm done playing football. So the length of the next contract is the length of T.Y. Hilton's career. That was the start stunning part for me. I definitely didn't think he was going to play 15, 20 years, but he's going into year nine. He's not done. He's not, you know, he's still a very, very viable weapon for this offense, and they need him to be this year. And him sort of talking about the next contract, the length of that, I'm going to be good. I'm going to walk away. That's what stood out to me. Have you ever heard him talk like this before? No, never. Uh, yeah, T.Y. is always like right in the moment. Yeah, he, he's always like in the moment. Uh, you ask him about next year, like any random conversation, you start talking about next year and he's like, I don't know about all that, you know? And, yeah. and that's T.Y., right? And he's always like, all right, who are we playing next week? I'm going to go there and I'm going to torch those guys and then we'll talk about next year. But I, I agree. It was very jarring. Jarring is maybe too strong a word, but it was definitely different and, and surprising for sure. Um, he, he is a guy, I mean, look, he's a smart guy. He doesn't have a lot to say oftentimes. He's also very private and yeah. maybe doesn't let you in on sort of his intimate thoughts. But I thought this was T.Y. opening up more than we have heard him just about at any time, uh, just because of how revealing he was. It wasn't what he said. It was just that it was him revealing these things, someone who doesn't do that. So that, for me, it, it definitely was surprising. Um, as it relates to the whole context of the situation, I think here's the complicated thing. This and, and the reason he says it's up to them is because it's a recognition that, okay, this is going to take some doing. And he's right. He is 30 years old. He's, well, in, if they get a deal done this year, obviously he, he's still 30. But I mean, if he plays out this year, now you're talking about a guy who's 31. And where does that leave you? Um, and he plays a position where obviously your your speed and, and things like that diminish over the years. So it's, it's critical. Age is, is a critical part of, is critical when it comes to wide receivers. The other thing I'd say is that impacts the money. How do you structure the deal and how much do you pay them? Those are the complicated things here. Now, I actually right. looked up a few, a few contracts, um, for the, for the heck of it, if you, if we're interested. And I thought it was interesting. This is, this is not a comparison. Let me be clear. But Julio Jones, uh, I believe last year, uh, signed who obviously I think is a, a year older than T.Y. He signed a three-year deal, I believe, that was over $60 million. So there's precedent for this. You know, we have seen, you know, guys like Larry Fitzgerald, for example, you know, yeah. sign big contracts well into their 30s. So, like, there's some there's some precedent. And 
it all is going to be decided on a case by case basis. All these players are different and their health situations are different, but, um, but I, I think there's precedent for it. And I think there's motivation to do it. I, I don't know. Let me ask you this. What kind of player is T.Y. Hilton at this point? Is he still the same player? He is, but here's what we're going to find out this year. We're going to find out if he deserves the next contract. And look, T.Y. Hilton's a stud, man. He's going to go up in the ring of honor. Like I said, this guy is one of the best draft picks this team has made in a decade, without a doubt. And he deserved that. The contract he got at the time, you know, was huge. It was five years for $64 million, I think. And I think it was a, it was a great deal for the Colts, looking back on it, uh, how much he's carried this team. And I wrote about this yesterday. Like, this is the guy that's been here through everything. Everything. Nobody's been through, you know, with the assumption that Adam Vinatieri leaves this offseason. I mean, T.Y. is the guy now. It's him and Costanzo. I mean, it's he's been through Chuck Pagano, and he's been through Frank Reich, and he's been through... Andrew Luck and Matt Hasselbeck and Charlie Whitehurst and Josh Johnson and Scott Tolzien <laughs> and you name the quarterbacks you've written about. So this he is almost this went he- through Stephen Morris. See if you remember that. Oh man, man, we <laughs> there's that, that late season game where Stephen Stephen Morris was warming up. Do you remember that? Yeah, <laughs> down in Miami. Oh yeah. Anyway, not to get off track, but I had no. But like, just, think, when am I ever going to get a chance to talk about Stephen Morris? Right. <laughs> everything's decided this this season this is the year man so this is the reality ty needs to face is and he did yesterday is he's he's going to be 31 entering next season and he's coming off his two most injury marred seasons of his career this is a guy that did not miss games i think he missed four games in his first five or six years and the colts didn't win any of them and that wasn't a coincidence and then these last two years have been really hard on him and i think that's when we started to see him peel back the curtain and offer some real honesty with us, which has been rare. And it's been some insight into how this guy thinks. I mean, let's be honest. He played 18. The the last eight games or so, he played with a high and low ankle sprain on the same ankle. And that was some big-time stuff. He didn't even practice after Thanksgiving. And he helped this team to the second round of the playoffs. And, and not for one second should any of us think this team would have made the second round of the playoffs without T.Y. fighting through that injury. That was big-time stuff last year. He refuses to go on IR. It was talked about several times. He refuses to go on IR, comes back. Um, and he wasn't the same. And, and the office wasn't the same. And Jacoby wasn't the same. And, and T.Y. knew that. I remember asking him in the locker room in New Orleans after they got their brains beat. And I was like, T.Y., what happened this year? Why is this team falling apart? And he looked at me and he said, injuries. And he wasn't talking about Andrew Luck's ah, calf or ankle or whatever the heck it was. He's talking about himself. He knows the value he brings to this offense, and he knows that this team fell apart mostly because he wasn't able to beat T.Y. Hilton in the second half of the season last year. That's everything that's on the table this year. He can't play. um, He can't have another season where he's injured. He can't. He's not going to get paid if he does. Um, I think that makes the decision really difficult for the Colts, and I want your thoughts on this is, if he does another, if he has another season like this where it's injury and he's in and out of the lineup and the offense stalls, it's going to be really hard for the Colts to pay up because he's 31 on the back half of his career. And one would assume that doesn't change moving forward. Now, if he bounces back, and it sounds like he is as motivated as ever, if he bounces back and is T.Y. Hilton of old, then I think it's a lot easier to pay him. And I think this team probably has a lot more success because of it. Because, look, you look at the most important things going into this season. I think you need to have Phillip Rivers play really well, obviously. I think right behind that is you need T.Y. to return to that explosive, dynamic offensive threat. Because without that, 
this team just isn't the same. And we've seen that time and again. So I think this season decides it, to be honest. I don't think it's a guarantee by any means. You know, it's interesting. What you just laid out, actually, I don't think you intended this, but what you just laid out actually leads to one of the bigger issues here, which is, do do they wait to do this? Because I think if you're the player, you want that deal now. And yeah. that's the hard part here because yeah. you, he's got one year left. And, and when you're talking about a Pro Bowl player, generally, you don't want those guys playing out their deals. But this he's is a never had situation. a contract year. We should add in. He's not in his career. That's true. He's never had one. That, He's never come close to free agency. And so that's the complicated thing here is, do you let him play this thing out? Uh, what impact does that have on on his relationship with the team? I'm not suggesting that it's acrimonious, but but certainly if you're the player, you want some certainty. You want that deal now. But it is going to it is more difficult to get to that deal now than it would be after seeing him perform in 2020. There's no question about that coming off of last year. So, I mean, I don't think he's this like injury riddled guy. I think there's some recency bias out there on Twitter, but look, I mean, he's missed eight games out of 32. Right. Yeah. This guy, he's missed eight games out of 32 in the last two years. Right. And he plays. Yes. He's the toughest guy on this team. Bar none. Right. And and the team and the guys in in there would say that. That's right. So, Look, I, I, I think I don't want to make the injuries too big a part of this conversation. And I think if he were younger, they wouldn't be. Uh, I think it really it's it's a combination of injury and age that are, are leading to people sort of viewing it through that lens. But I, I don't know. I, I think that's the tough part, though. Do, if you do it after the season for the Colts, it's a much easier calculation because then you yeah. you can you see more information what, in your hands. what he did. You have more information. Right now, yeah. uh, it's a little murkier. But, yeah, but you know he wants that deal, so I don't know. Stop. And the other thing is with these injuries, and Ty made a good point. Like, look, he can't. It can't just be Madden where you just turn injuries off, right? Where you play injury free mode. But look, he he hurt this calf this year. It was a couple of days before Halloween, and he, he was terrific early in the season. There's that scene on the sideline in Tennessee in Week Two where Jacoby, who's Jacoby's, you know, entering the season as the starter and all that happened in the month before. And Jacoby just turns to T.Y. and says, look, T.Y., it's me and you. It's me and you. And T.Y. carried Jacoby through that. I really believe that. He was the go- He was the guy yeah. that Jacoby looked to. And, and remember that Broncos play, the best play Jacoby made all season. That was T.Y. was the target, and he made a heck of a catch. And, and th- together, those two carried that team through the early parts of that season with the offensive line. So... There is a value there in that kind of guy. And, and then October comes and he hurts his ankle and his calf on that non-contact play in practice. He said he ran the route just before that. Five minutes later, runs it again. Non-contact play. The Colt season is never the same from there. That's how it happened. He tried to come back. He tried to fight through it. He hurt it again. That's what he did. I mean, that, that's that's how the season turned, to be honest. And whether you can label a guy injury you know, injury prone because of that. I, I, I really am siding with T.Y. on this one. I just think it's a freak injury. I just think that happens. I don't think this is a guy that's injury plagued. I think he's played through a lot. You look at his first five years of his career. He played 14 games almost every year or more. So I'm not buying that. But again, this is going to be something where he needs to be on the field as much as possible this year. I mean, I'm talking 16 games for the regular season. That's going to help him earn some cash down the line. No question. Uh, we'll hear a little bit more from T.Y. in a second. Uh, but first, a word from Hydrant. Uh, top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine. Whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, 
exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do all that. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has four essential electrolytes that your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. Those help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for the 30-day supply. You can even save more with a monthly subscription. So, for 25% off your first order, drinkhydrant.com slash football for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash football. I mentioned we would hear from TY again. Uh, I think there's a there's a subsequent conversation to be had. Uh, let's hear from TY talking about the future. Uh, I mean, whatever I sign for my next contract, um, that'll be, you know, when I hang it up. So whether it's two years, three years, four years, uh, whatever it is, whatever I sign for my next contract, that'll be it for me. Okay, Jim Maiello. Yeah, just going back to that, pretty much the same question. Do you feel like you need to, to get that extension? Do you feel like you need to prove that, you know, you're ready to go back, you know, healthy and that those injuries are behind you? I mean, my work speaks for itself. I mean, when I'm out there, I know what I can do. But, you know, these last two years, uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been a little banged up. So, uh, this year, if they want me to prove it, I'll prove it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you know, I think everybody will want me here. So, uh, you know, I want to be here. Okay, last one, Stephen Holder. Hey, T.Y., just to clarify, um, on, on the contract situation, you guys have, have you talked about this yet, or is this something you expect will wait till after this season? Do you have any idea? Uh, I have no idea. I mean, we had a few talks, but then, you know, the, the virus thing happened, so um, kind of let everybody just, you know, go their ways with their families, spend time with them. So, um, I mean, whenever things pick back up, I'm pretty sure, you know, hopefully we could get something done. If not, then, you know, like I said, it's up to um, Mr. Ursay and Chris, you know. I mean, I want to be here, so it is what it is. Yeah, so that alludes to that last part there alludes to what you said earlier, Zach, which is Ty signaling, "I'm I'm all yours." So just make it happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, but the the reason we wanted to play that, I thought, was specifically because of Ty talking about this being the end, whatever this contract ends up being for, you know, in terms of its its length and term. Um, I think that will work itself out. But I do think it it's an opportunity for us to look at, at you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but look at T.Y. Hilton um, in terms of his legacy, because I, I think yeah. this guy is going to be one of the great Colts of all time. Uh, he's not a Hall of Fame player necessarily, <laughs> yeah. but definitely one of the best players at his, at his position for a long time. And in this era, this post-Manning era that we've been in, um, Outside of Andrew Luck, he is the best player. He's he is the no guy. question. And, and in fact, Andrew Luck missed so much time that like Ty has has transcended this era. I think it, it's really people call this the Andrew Luck era. What is the Andrew Luck era? Like seven years, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you could argue like Ty's been the guy throughout this, and I'm not putting him above Andrew Luck, but uh, he has been the one constant. There's no question about that. Um, just do you remember? Ty's arriving on the scene here, and and what do you what when you look back at that, and you look at who he is now, just what sort of thoughts come to mind? 
I mean, his his rookie year when when national broadcasters would come in to to talk about the Colts, they called him Ty Hilton. I mean, that's he was he was an unknown. <laughs> he was out of Florida International, third round pick. Absolutely unbelievable job by Ryan Grigson and the staff. That needs to be said. I don't think Grigson probably gets enough credit for this pick because you draft Luck one, you draft Kobe Fleener in the second round, you draft Dwayne Allen, so you get the tight ends. But the best player, best pick Ryan Grigson ever made, bar none, and and that includes Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was the easiest pick. Jim Mersey made that pick. Come on. No, <laughs> but, I mean, T.Y. Hilton. I mean, I remember T.Y. Hilton told me one time he would grow up when he was growing up in Miami. He would play Madden with the Colts because he loved the offense. And he would play with Peyton Manning, the quarterback, and Marvin Harrison out wide and Reggie Wayne. And then he walked into the Colts meeting room on day one and Reggie Wayne's in there and he, he could barely speak. He was so nervous. And he took the mantle from Reggie Wayne. And that's not an easy thing to do. And he did it. And he has had a hell of a career. I mean, you look at these numbers right now. With about 60 or 70 catches, he passes Raymond Berry. And for those old enough to remember Raymond Berry with the Baltimore Colts, unbelievable player. And in every major receiving category, T.Y. is trailing two people. Everybody knows who those two guys are. It's it's Marvin Harrison and it's Reggie Wayne. And he's ahead of them in some categories, right? So most career 150-yard games, sort of the T.Y. staple, right? The guy would just explode. It happened against the Chiefs in the playoffs. He's done it against the Texans a half dozen times. He's had 12 150-yard receiving games. That's more than Marvin Harrison. So that's where this guy's at. He's a ring of honor guy, no doubt. He's absolutely the only constant, one of the only constants in this in this decade, right, from from the post-Manning era. It's been him and Costanzo and, and Adam Vinatieri as well. But luck came and went, and T.Y. has stayed. And I think that that plays into this. And let me ask you this. Knowing Chris Ballard the way you do, what, is, what does Chris always say about jerseys on game day? And this isn't why you sign a guy or not, but he wants to have guys the city is proud of that have become their own. Now, Ballard didn't draft T.Y., obviously, but you look around the, on game day, what jerseys do you see? We're seeing a lot of Nelson. We're seeing a lot of Leonard now, but you see a lot of 13s. And you always have since I started covering the team. And, and it would be a really, really hard thing if T.Y. Hilton is playing elsewhere in a couple of years. It just would be. Um, I think that plays into this as well. And I think Jim Mercy has a say in this. Jim Mercy doesn't step in on a lot of contracts, but um, he has from time to time. And with a guy like T.Y. Hilton, that's probably enough of a mantle for Jim Mercy to say, I want this guy to finish his career in Indianapolis if it makes sense for the team and you can make it work. The Colts have the money. The question is, can T.Y. still play in an elite level? And if you didn't notice yesterday, he sounds like he's ready to play at an elite level. He is ticked off from the last two years. And I think his direct quote was, look, when it's time to get back that out there, everybody's going to feel me. I think T.Y. is going to be as motivated <laughs> as ever this fall. T.Y. does not waste words. He generally backs up what he says. Yeah. I'm just telling you, that is my experience. Especially if it's the Texans. 1,000%. Yeah. Well, especially, yes. Uh, he, he almost always always backs up his words. So I I believe the man when he speaks, no question about it. I, I do think that as it relates to the future and, and the end of his career, you, you brought up Jamerce's role in this. I, I think the the good thing if you're the Colts is he's making this easy for you, okay? This is not yeah. Reggie Wayne He's not saying, playing games with you. Yeah, and, and this is he's not, not like, saying, eh, I got my options. He's saying, look, I want to be here. Pay me. Yeah, and if you think back now to, for example, you mentioned Reggie Wayne. Now, Reggie, at the end of his career, it was time, okay? And we could see it. And yeah. Reggie was like, yeah, but I'm not done. 
Yeah. T.Y. is saying, at least he's pledging now, that that's not going to be him. He's going to say, all right, I'm going to do what I can do, and then I'm out. And I think that makes it easy for you. That makes it so much easier for both sides to enable T.Y. to finish his career here. So so make it happen. You know, I, I don't think there's any uh, – well, let's rephrase that. I would bet a significant amount of money that this works out. Whether it happens now or next year, I don't know. But I, uh, barring something unforeseen – I see this guy ending his career here. I see a very, um, a, a very mutual effort here to to get him to finish his career in Indianapolis. There's no reason it shouldn't happen. I mean, there have been so many unceremonious departures here. You know, yeah. Colts fans know that well. That. Reggie Wayne wearing that. a Patriots jersey in training camp that one year. Peyton finishing in right? Denver. I mean, can, can we have one guy? Go out on a white horse. <laughs> Let <laughs> like, me ask you this. All? <laughs> and this goes back to what we talked about last week with Millie Cooker. Ballard has not extended a lot of guys. He's been very, very, very careful about that. And we know he will in the next couple of years with Darius and Quentin and a couple others. But Kenny Moore and Jack Doyle and Anthony Stanzo, you pay T.Y. Hilton because he's everything you want to be about. And, and Chris has seen that. And Chris has noticed that. And he's talked to us about that. T.Y. played through a high and low ankle sprain on the same ankle to get his team to the playoffs in 18. Frank Reich mm-hmm. said he wouldn't even ask him how the ankle was. He would just trust him. That's what you want in your veterans. And, and we've talked about this a lot, and, and I think you've seen this as well. We've sort of seen T.Y. become this um, reserved but very, very respected leader in the locker room, right? Because yes. he isn't yes. he isn't a boisterous guy. He isn't going to yell at people. But they respect him, and there's no doubt who number one is in that receiver's room. And they look up to him, and they see what he's gone through the last couple of years, and they see what he's fought through to be on the field, and that matters. And that's what Ballard wants his locker room to be about. And I think, I think I've think i seen a noticeable change in that the last couple of years, and I think, I think that matters to Chris, and I think it matters to Frank. It's what you want to be about as an organization. You want guys like T.Y. Hilton. And I think that's okay. I think that's what you want. And, and it's okay to pay for that. It's okay to maybe pay a little bit more than you probably would have on the open market. But that matters. And, and if it's about locker room and it's about examples and it's about, you know, what you want to be about, um, this is a guy you pay. This is a guy you set an example for. I, I think that matters here. I, I think that, you know, going back to the idea of reflecting here, I, I think that we – we kind of misunderstood T.Y. at times in his career. I think we wanted him to be Reggie Wayne at times. I'm talking about off the field. We wanted him to be the guy who always said the right thing and yeah. always Not you know, would step up to the microphone and and know you know what you're supposed to say and have all the keywords and all that. Reggie's as polished as any player we've ever covered. We would sit okay. there with Reggie but, on Fridays and talk for an hour, and it was unbelievable. T.Y. is in and out T.Y. doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah. T.Y. does not give a shit about any of that, nor should he. And I think, like, we don't take offense to it. Like, he frustrates us sometimes. Like, come on, T.Y., you know what I'm asking. Like, give me give me the quote, you know? But So, like, we kid him about it, it but he doesn't care. And and I think it's important to, to make the differentiation between types of leadership, right? You can be Reggie Wayne. You can be a great player on the field and then say all the right things in the locker room. Or you can be a guy who who just puts his nose down and busts his tail every single day and shows up hurt, not hurt, and sets an example and and leads the way on game day, that is just as important a type of leadership as any other. So I think when he walks out there and he's in that huddle, there is a different level of energy when T.Y. Yes. Hilton is out there. That is yes. leadership. Okay? And T.Y. Hilton he brings that. that. 
Right. Right. So, right. so I, I think that we have come to understand him better over the years. Myself, and I'm including myself in that, right? We yeah. all have. And, and I, I really respect him, man. I, I have, the last few years I have gained just a whole different level of respect for him because I understand him better. I don't, I never I, thought less of him. But that's I, a good point. I, I understand them better now. I really respect the guy. This is just me talking. I really respect the guys that are just about football. Right. At the end of the day, T.Y. is just about football and he's not about mu- nothing else. He doesn't care about social media. He doesn't care about the media interactions with us. He's fine with us. He gives us time, but it's not his favorite thing. He just wants to play football. And I go back to what Andrew Luck said on August 24th, the day he walked away. He you know, as raw as Andrew Luck has ever been, you know, he's going through his teammates and he's naming these guys. And, and Anthony Costanza is one of his best friends and he loves Jack Doyle. And he, he names all these guys he loved playing with. And he saved T.Y. Hilton for last. And he said, T.Y. is my favorite teammate I've ever played with and the mm. best football player I've ever played with. And Andrew Luck did not say that lightly. And he did not just say that to fit the moment. He loved T.Y. Hilton. And these guys were not super close friends. But on the football field, they had this great, great chemistry. And you saw that evolve early on. And it was pretty fun to watch. Those deep balls early in their careers, that was really cool. And they just seemed to hit it off. And that really spoke to what T.Y. was about. Because Andrew Luck doesn't say that about every guy. And he wouldn't say that if it wasn't true. You know, he didn't say that about other guys on the team. And Andrew Luck right. had a lot of different receivers. And you know, he had, he had Reggie Wayne early on, but his favorite player of all time, he said, was T.Y. Hilton. And, and that speaks to T.Y. being about what's important because Luck didn't care about any other nonsense either, as much as any player I've ever covered. And he respected T.Y. because T.Y. was all about football. Yeah, I remember that sort of um, surreal retirement press conference that we both sat through and i remember andrew luck saying he said you know the thing i'm gonna miss most is throwing the ball to ty like i I love throwing the ball to ty he's like one of his favorite things he did in life yeah yeah and so i I just think that you know when it comes to appreciating ty hilton however long this goes on i just think that you know if you're a fan out there you, you should just really sit back and enjoy whatever he he gives this team the rest of the way because it's fleeting. Okay. These things, these careers go by in a flash and, you know, your favorite player can be, you know, a second or third year player one day. And, and then a few years later, it's over, you know? And so I think that's the lesson here is just think about it in those terms, man. Enjoy it while it lasts. Cause it doesn't last forever. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I look back. T- yeah. Is it year eight? And he's like, yeah, man, where to go? You know, it's just exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it, it's appreciated while it lasts. Uh, it doesn't last forever. Uh, just you know, before we get out of here, I want to change gears real quickly. We have, as I said earlier, uh, had a lot of opportunity to talk to coaches and players uh, the last couple of weeks. So you know, we actually appreciate the Colts setting that up because we weren't sure how how that would work in the midst of you know the COVID suspensions and all that. But um, this week we spoke to both coordinators, offense and defense, and um, I was wondering for you, like we heard a lot of different things, heard a lot of different, heard from a lot of different players. What for you, Zach, was something that stuck with you this week besides T.Y. Hilton's comments? Was there something that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah, it kind of goes back to the other side of the ball. Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator, and, and you wrote about this as well, is he basically just came out and said, like, our goal when we switched to the 4-3 was to draft a lot of young talent and play them right away. And they did that. I mean, that's what they've been doing for two years. And so 
like your story said, it's time to sort of back it up, right? It's time to, it's time to take the next step because you've got all these guys. I'm thinking Kari Willis and Rakia Sin and Bobby Okariki and Marvell Tell. And like, yeah, they played a lot last year. Uh, the Colts are banking on the payoff coming starting this year, right? The return on investment from it's one thing to draft a lot of young defensive players. It's another thing to play them right away. And they did. I mean, we were wondering last year, like, why is Marvell Tell out there so quickly? Is he ready? And they really think those reps and all that experience is going to help them down the line. And when you had a guy like Buckner on the line, I really like the front seven. I really like Leonard and Okariki and Walker in the linebacker spots. For me, this season's about the secondary on defense. They need to be better. Malik needs to be better. And hopefully, if you're the Colts, you see the development from those three guys, Tell, Rocky Sin, and Kari Willis, because that unit fell apart in the last month of the season. There's no other way to cut it. I mean, they gave up 450 passing yards to Jameis Winston. Drew Brees, you know, pitched a perfect game against them. And then they got shredded by Gardner Minshew in Week 17. So let's not forget about that. But, you know, that's for me is is they're banking heavily on these guys who've played a lot and are still young coming into their own in the next couple of years on this defense. Will Day is another question. But, um, you know, that they basically just came out and said this is our philosophy. Yeah. Uh, I think, fun fact, by the way, before we go on, uh, Rocky Asin, I learned this week, I should have known this already, but Rocky Asin played more defensive snaps than anybody on the entire roster last season. Think about that. Yep, I saw that Rookie as well. Corner. He was he never missed he never missed a game. He never missed a snap. He was just in there from the moment he started. It's unbelievable. So uh, it's an unbelievable amount of pressure too to put him in that spot. So the results were mixed. Yeah, they were mixed <laughs> because you asked him to do so much. So he could only get better from that, so we'll see. Uh, I had a takeaway. Uh, this is a small, small thing in the grand scheme, but it it gives a little more insight into why they picked Michael Pittman versus maybe another receiver because there were so many options at wide receiver. Yeah, what separated Michael Pittman? There were a lot of things, but but one thing that uh, and I asked offensive coordinator up uh, offensive coordinator, excuse me, uh, Nick Sirianni about this, you know, what, what did you see from him aside from obviously catching a lot of balls at USC, which he was prolific in terms of his production, but what is, what are the other things that he did? And he talked about how Ed Dodds, their assistant general manager, he really encourages the coaches to watch the other things, the things that they do without the football. And one of the things that, yeah, one of the things that Sirianni mentioned uh, that he and and Mike Grow, their new receivers coach, noticed was his involvement in the running game as a blocker. Uh, when other guys catch balls, how he contributes to getting yards after the catch, all of those kinds of things, and and even the routes that he runs when he's not the target and when he's not in the progression. How do you? Uh, perform at those moments all of that stuff matters and that's how you get a complete picture and and so Sirianni said he said that's where we really fell in love with him because they saw the rest of his game and I thought that was so interesting and I thought that was such a a Colts thing you know they want they want these guys I I think Zach Paschal is the greatest example you know Mm -hmm. why was why does Zach Paschal ever find his way onto the field it's not because he was a great receiver it's because he was blocking for Marlon Mack, you know, uh-huh. and and then as it turns out, well, you know what? This guy can play, right? So I, I think that's what they want. They want the full package. So I thought that was interesting. So um, we'll see. It's it's been it's been really interesting, and I think for the Colts, and tell me your thoughts on this. I think the big question for them is going to be like a lot of teams that had major changes this offseason, 
how are they able to work through this? And, and those are some yeah. of the other conversations we've been having. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, new quarterback. I don't know about you. you know, I'm a little skeptical. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, yeah. you know, it's great to hear that Philip Rivers knows 85% of the offense. That's great. But he's got to get on the field with T.Y. Hilton, man. He's got to get on the field with Michael Pittman. That's a fact. You cannot change. You cannot mimic on-the-field work. There's nothing like it. Every football player I've ever talked to has told me that my entire career writing about the NFL. So when this pandemic hits, you cannot get the same impact in these Zoom meetings. And, and sure, they could have the offense down and all that, but – these guys got to get on the field and we're, we're inching closer to June where they would be on the field and the ones would be going against the ones They wouldn't be wearing pads, but it'd still be, you know, as close as we're going to get to real football this time of the year. So they're not going to have a mini camp. Um, we will see what training camp looks like, but uh, it's a challenge. But, you know, Nick Sirianni made a good point the other day. He said, look, yes, we have a new quarterback and that matters. And that's that's something we need to work through. But. We're not implementing a new system. So there are teams out there that hire new offensive coordinators, new head coaches. That's the, that's going to be the real, that's going to be the real hurdle. And I think that's going to hurt that's those huge. teams this year. I just think that's, there's no other, there's no way around it. They can spin it as much as they want, but it's just going to be a huge, huge nightmare in terms of logistics and, and timing and all that. I mean, these guys need time in the system on the field. So, um, you know, Rivers, that's, that's the benefit of having Rivers is he's going to come in and know the offense. And as soon as they get on the field, whenever that is, the dude's going to know the offense, but um, I think I think he needs as much time as possible with Ty Hilton. And Ty said yesterday, "Name the place. You know, I'll be there this summer, and if it's safe, we can go throw together." So you'd like to think that Pittman's in on that too, and and Zach Pascal, and maybe Reese Fountain, and a couple other guys. That stuff really pays off. So um, I think they need to get on the field with Philip Brillers as soon as they possibly can. But um, you know, they, the, the one thing they have is they've got a very experienced quarterback who's run this system before, and uh, it shouldn't take Rivers too long to get acclimated with everything. And to be honest, it's 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 easy to throw to T.Y. Hilton, man. He, he runs such good routes. He's always there when you need him. Uh, it seems like he would make a quarterback's job a lot easier. Yeah, I, I would say I take some – I think you can take some solace as a fan in what happened a couple of years ago, right? So Andrew Luck misses a year and a half of football – yeah. And has never doesn't step on the field until the first day of training camp. And we had been asking Ty, right? Hey, is this going to be hard? <laughs> you know, are you guys going to be time? I mean, like, nah, dude, we're <laughs> fine. Like, Trust me. I was like, I don't know, like Ty. Offended. It's been a while. <laughs> and we're like, no, no, Ty, you guys need some time. It's been a long time, man. He's like almost offended. And so what happened? Yeah. He went out there the first day of training camp, and it was like, I got this. And they didn't miss a beat that entire training camp, if you remember. That was spectacular. So I think it was like day two. Luck was hitting him for like two 50-yard bombs. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm going to eat my words now. <laughs> yeah, so I'll give him some benefit of the doubt. I think they're certainly in a better position than, say, the Cleveland Browns, right? New head coach, new system. Uh, right. How does that work? Right? Well, they're no eternally in a better place against. than the Cleveland Browns. It's always exactly. every other team. <laughs> exactly. So anyhow, well, that's the update on the Colts this week. Lots of I, I tell you, for for the middle of May in the middle of a global shutdown, I, we have a whole lot to talk about, which I can't believe. So, um, football never stops. Nothing can stop football, apparently. So, hey, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Before we go, uh, please keep checking out The Athletic. I know Zach's got a couple great pieces lined up here that you're going to want to read, and we've got consistent Colts content coming uh, and I'll update you on some of the other contract uh, machinations 
uh, and a story coming up in a couple of days as well myself. So stay tuned. We'll be back next week with more on 1% Better.